You're listening to Nostalgia Be Damned. QT, that's... That's where Doppler works. This must be the thing my dad is helping him with. He said something about it accelerating your molecules so fast the rest of the world would seem like we're standing still. I don't think time has stopped. I think we're just moving really fast. Hello, everybody. My name is Zach. I'm Brandon. And you're listening to another episode of Nostalgia Be Damn, the show where we take some of your favorite movies that you watched growing up as a kid, the ones you're nostalgic about, and we watch them objectively, let you know, are these movies any good, or are you blinded by nostalgia? This week, we watched 2002's sci-fi action comedy, Clockstoppers. <sighs> I'd like to stop the clock really quick. Freeze the future, Zach. <laughs> I'd like to stop the clock really quick and just wish uh, my co-host Brandon a happy belated birthday. Oh, oh, what a what a treat too! What a present was this? Was this it, Zach? Is this your revenge for all the Kangaroo Jacks and Jack Frosts? <laughs> you know, I I could see how some of our listeners, at a glance, might assume that this was a Brandon annoy Zach movie, but this is actually we had a plan for this week. And I texted Brandon, and I was like, nah, scrap it. We're doing clock stoppers. I, I didn't really even give him a choice. <laughs> and why is that, Zach? Were you a fan of this movie? Because from what I remember us talking about last episode anyway, when we introduced this, we've only seen this once, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I only saw it once. Um, but I remember the hype around this movie and me being like kind of stoked on it when it was coming out. I don't know why. It, it very successful advertising I, I guess that's the, all i can say i saw it once never saw it again but i did know that there was some banana shit going on and it's some really really weird stuff i don't think i was properly prepared for what i was about to see but um i knew it would be funny to talk about and uh yeah i get you know i wasn't sure if it was going to be revenge on you but it uh i'm glad it felt that way <laughs> Oh, man. Yeah, I saw this the one time back in the day because this was, of course, a Nickelodeon joint. And that's where I'm assuming you probably saw all the commercials for it because they ran nonstop. Mm. And the idea intrigued me. I loved the effects. And honestly, I have not paid this movie a single shred of thought since. So <laughs> it's been 18 years since I've seen Clockstoppers or whatever. And uh, I don't even think this movie runs on syndication anywhere. So it's it's it was just so bizarre to me. Like I hadn't thought about this forever. In forever, I hadn't even like. You could tell me that Clockstoppers was a movie, and I might not even remember. <laughs> but <laughs> but when I saw it pop up on HBO Max, I knew we had to stop what we were doing, turn back the clock, and stop it. Uh, well, this was directed by Jonathan Frakes. Yeah, that Jonathan Frakes Riker from the Star Trek series. Not only did he act on the show and in many of the movies, he also directed a bunch of the episodes as well as a ton of TV in general. However, in terms of theatrical releases, he directed Star Trek First Contact, Star Trek Insurrection, then this movie, and then Thunderbirds in 2004, then just been acting and directing TV ever since. Sure, real Star Trek uh, vibes from Clockstoppers for sure. <laughs> There's a few references. I did clock a couple of Star Trek references. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Here's a quick little nostalgia be damn drinking game. Every clock and time pun we make on this episode, go ahead and take a shot. Disclaimer, though, we're not responsible for alcohol poisoning or anything after you've had your 20th shot. It's got a 5.2 on IMDb and a 29% on Rotten Tomatoes. Cost $26 million to make it, earned $36 million in the U.S. and $38 million worldwide placing it 73rd on the domestic box office charts in 2002, just behind Crossroads and ahead of The Mothman Prophecies. Ooh, what the fuck are those? I... What, what a weird year, yeah. What a beautiful, beautiful time for the movies, Brandon. This is why, you know what? This is why we do this podcast. In terms of sci-fi family entertainment, it earned less than Lilo and Stitch, Space Station 3D, Spy Kids 2, and Treasure Planet. Unless, of course, you consider Like Mike, The Tuxedo, or The Master of Disguise part of that world, because it also earned less than those. What the fuck is Space what 3D? What? What was that? Space Station 3D. I think it was like an IMAX, just like, watch shit float in space. Oh. <laughs> One of those type movies. So you're telling me It's like me a documentary. That- 
you're telling me that a movie that probably ran in fucking planetariums <laughs> outgrossed clock stoppers? Uh, quite easily. Honestly, for those unfamiliar with the plot, which I imagine is actually just most people listening. I can't even imagine how many people have actually seen this movie. This is such a niche episode, and like we're so close to 100, and we're just isolating all of our fan base. It's wild. This is a, a bold decision on our part. The IMDb plot synopsis reads, a teenager accidentally activates a machine that enables him to speed up his body so that other people seem to be standing still. <sighs> okay. I want you to think on that plot for a second, Brandon. Because, I mean, let's face it, you, there's so much more trouble to get into with a fucking clock that stops time. I Like, think of the possibilities of, like, get you could rob every store. <laughs> you could rob every store. You could rob every bank. You get into so, so much fucking trouble. Yeah, this is the Nickelodeon version where, like, the silliest thing they'll do is, like, make a dog pee in a car. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, that's the seediest kid. thing that's going on. Yeah, maybe you can ride your BMX bike on water. <laughs> the fucking biking in this movie, man. Oh, X Game City. <laughs> Dude, I can't wait to talk about the biking um, because, you know what? I fucking, I was a huge bike guy when this movie came out, so I was into this. I was like, yeah, dude, fucking biking. Oh, how about DJing? Were you as into DJing? Uh, I mean, dude, everything I learned about DJing <laughs> fucking came from this movie. <laughs> so the plot was inspired by H.G. Wells' 1901 story, The New Accelerator, about a scientist who develops a drug enabling him to move so fast that no one can see him. From his viewpoint, everyone else seems frozen in time. Paula Garces was 27 when she played the 17-year-old Francesca. She's the love interest what? in the movie now. Just two years later, she'd win my heart and Harold's heart as the beautiful Maria in the Harold and Kumar series, dude. I knew I recognized right. you from something. I kept racking my brain. Thank you so much. And, and you can also rest assured and not feel creepy watching this movie thinking, wow, man, she is beautiful. Even though she's playing a 17-year-old, she's 10 years older than that at the time. <laughs> Dude, there is not a single fucking person in this movie who, like, every once in a while, I know they have to do this with movies, but every once in a while you'll get uh, an actor who's like, okay, that's a believable 17. Like, if you suspend some sort of disbelief, it's not happening in this movie, man. <laughs> Everybody is nearing fucking 30 in this movie. It's ridiculous. <laughs> Now, the house that her character lives in is actually the same house that was used in two prior NBD episodes. It was the school in Halloween H2O and the mansion in Scream 3. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I can't believe you weren't a super fan of this movie. <laughs> yeah, you're right. They have uh, It's right up my alley in terms of set decor. Uh, and as is customary on the show, this movie has a tasty lineup of early 2000s all-star the soundtrack, though, not a success, despite what? the presence of such talented artists like Smash Mouth, Sugar Ray, Third Eye Blind, Simple Plan, Blink-182, Nickelback, and, are you ready for it, Uncle Cracker. Dude, I fucking, everybody's in this goddamn movie. Every fucking, like, you could make a fucking music festival out of the lineup of this. Like... <laughs> Like a shitty, one of those shitty, like, throwback 90 festivals. A Bonnaroo? Yeah, not, not even, like, Bonnaroo, just, like, an I Love the 90s music fest, and this whole fucking soundtrack could be featured. It's ridiculous. I wanted to wait, I wanted to save this for when we started, but this movie is, like, every stereotype you've ever heard about the 90s. If you're one of our younger listeners and you don't, like, remember what it was like in the mid to late 90s, this movie tries so hard to showcase what it thinks the 90s is. Yeah, because even though it was made, you know, early 2000s, it still has the carryover appeal. You can tell from their wardrobes to, I mean, everything involving DJing. It's just, it's, let's, it's nuts. Let's, so we'll get into it. All right. It's on, yeah, it's on the cusp. So Clockstoppers was rated PG for action violence and mild language. Cool. So. We begin, we kick off with some sick After Effects tutorials for a full nonsensical title sequence. Uh, I did get kind of excited after seeing French Stewart and Michael Bean's name pop up, though. Yeah, I'm sure you did, and as everybody should, uh, until 
you know, French Stewart, you know, you see what French Stewart is fucking reduced to. <laughs> I love right before we get into the movie, there's just a barrage of clocks. It's like 30 cuts of clocks. <laughs> it's so stupid. It's so goddamn dumb. I fucking it, this drove me up the goddamn wall. I knew we were in for such a goddamn horror ride. <laughs> The minute this title sequence started. <laughs> By the way, the first voice you hear in this movie is French Stewart's, and I like I did a double take because I was like, "Is that Bill Hader?" <laughs> Sounds exactly <laughs> like him. <laughs> well, yeah, it's funny because we're in an airport. There's this man in the most obvious disguise imaginable trying to catch a flight, and yeah, all doubt as to who this man is is gone when he begins to speak. Oh, that's French Stewart. <laughs> oh yeah, it's French Stewart. Yeah, he's dressed like uh, Larry David in the Fatwa episodes of curb your enthusiasm he's just got like fucking super fake like wig and beard it's so dumb and he's in a hurry he's cutting people in line he's got a super cool yellow watch that sets off the alarm at security check but he keeps pushing through clearly fearing for his life he pays some miserable dad for his plane ticket and just as he's about to board the plane he's shot backward off the tarmac through the airport and into a van almost as if he's made of magnets or some shit or like there's an invisible rope pulling him this never gets paid off. I thought that they'd explain what happened to this. Like, what? What is this? Is this hype? Does this even involve the whole hyper time? Yeah. What I'm. They don't really explain it in the beginning of this movie. But what I'm assuming happened is that the people were in hyper time and they like grabbed him and pulled him back into the van because when he gets pulled back back into the van, no one's there, and then it does one of those weird zoom cuts, and fucking suddenly five people are in the van. So my assumption is that they're in hyper time. Which I, we haven't even fucking gotten into this, so the audience has no fucking idea what we're talking about. Neither did I, and <laughs> but, I feel real dumb for being, I guess, more stupid than a child because a child's supposed to understand this plot right up the top, and clearly I didn't know what was happening. I thought that was going to come back. Like, see, I don't know if a child is supposed to understand right off the top. I don't think this movie gives its audience a ton of credit for the sci-fi. I, to me, everything gets laid out a little over simply sometimes. Kind of, or it's just like, they not even maybe explained, like they throw science mumbo jumbo at you and you're just like, it's how it works, it stops time. Shut up. Either way, Michael Bean is in the car. He plays Henry Gates, the villain of the film. He wants French Stewart, who plays Dr. Earl Doppler, to get back to work. That's all we know. He's also got two henchmen in the car, which I believe are probably the people who were in hypertime that dragged him in. All right, now I'm on the board. Here we go. So we cut to our hero with some fucking Blink-182, dude. All the small, small things. things. It, Love it. Yeah, I just... I knew we were in for a fucking 90s treat when we fucking hear all the small things. And then down comes this fucking hunkomatic 4000 on his fucking BMX bike, dude. And he is fucking doing kickflips and 360s all goddamn day. What an asshole, this guy. Yeah, Jesse Bradford, same year as swim fan as uh, Zach Gibbs. Now, how do you feel, Zach, with an H, about this guy straight raw-dogging it with a single K in his name? Z-A-K? I, you know what? Uh, up until this point, I didn't know. But um, I need to... This is a public address mm-hmm. announcement for everybody uh, listening to Nostalgia Be Damned. You know what? I spell Z-A-C-H, and that's cool. Uh, I know some people, Z-A-C-K, that's fine. I get it. It's wrong, but I get it. But if you spell it Z-A-C-D-A-K... I fucking hate you, and we're throwing hands. It's, it's <laughs> what's happening, and I'm sorry. Uh, on behalf of all Zacks, it's just hey. gonna happen. Yeah, no, don't worry. You don't have to apologize, dude. These guys are fucking monsters running around with three letters in their name. <laughs> he's riding through town to people saying, "Hey, Zach," and yeah, he's a quintessential 2002 white young man. He's got the cargo pants with pockets galore. They're still a little too baggy, not quite 90s baggy, but still so loose. No, it's it's close to the 2000s. They're tightening. <laughs> They're tightening a little bit. And he like he doesn't lock his fucking bike up when he stops at a store. No, yeah, he's a goddamn rebel without a cause. And he he's picking up a typewriter at an antique store, heads home, snaps a pic, uploads it to eBay on his badass bubble Mac. And you can tell this guy's a real entrepreneur in the making because he first writes manual typewriter, starting bid, five bucks. Then he thinks for a second, he deletes the summary and replaces it with crash-proof word processor, minimum bid, 35 bucks. And then he gives his computer two thumbs up. (sighs) Dude, like, I couldn't fucking believe (laughs) this whole sequence, man. Just like him fucking 
pawning shit that he's finding off of eBay. We were so goddamn obsessed with the idea of eBay. Like now, eBay, does anybody use eBay? Because everybody just goes to Amazon and just buys shit directly. It's like, yeah, whatever. But like eBay, that was such a fucking big deal back then. I remember getting hanging on hand and foot for like Nintendo 64 games I wanted off of eBay, dude. Like, hand and foot off the auction, being like, did I fucking win? Would you outbid at the last moment like an asshole? No, but I remember there was a specific, there was like an NHL hockey video game that I wanted. I went through like six bids because some fucking asshole at the last minute would outbid me with at the last second. eBay was a fucking monstrosity. I bet a Z-A-K type of Zach would have. <laughs> oh, a Z-A-K type of Zach fucking would do that. Fucking assholes. I hate you guys. Ugh. He's just your typical 23-year-old playing a high schooler bro. And so is his dad, Robin Thomas, as Dr. George Gibbs, who's the coolest fucking teacher on campus. He's, like, introduced sitting on tables chatting with his students about the most basic bullshit theory of relativity Listen, lesson. Isn't this a college campus? Why are they discussing scientific theory with, like, fucking uh, matchbox cars and shit? It makes no fucking sense. Like, it, it's like, and he's supposed to be, like, one of the most... You need your brilliant. tuition paid back to you if this is your college course. Yeah. And he's supposed to be, like, one of the most brilliant scientists ever. <laughs> Fucking ridiculous. But what really makes me laugh in this scene, I, I legit had a belly laugh because I know that he that Zach is supposed to be a high schooler. But, dude, I'm not kidding he looks so fucking old that when he comes in and sits down, I like was like, wait, is he a college kid? Like, because he looks older than everybody in this classroom except for his dad. Yeah, I thought it was a real Zach move, Z-A-K move, to get to class as soon as it ends, just as it's ending. I was like, wow, what an asshole. But then I realized, oh, it's his fucking son and he's in high school. Yeah, so, it, yeah. I mean, I hated this kid right off the bat. I just don't understand the casting decision to, like, hire... A 27-year-old or whatever, he, however old this guy was when he fucking took this role for your main actor, but you hire 18-year-olds to play college kids. <laughs> so Zach needs his dad to co-sign for a sweet-ass car that he's been uh, wanting to get for quite some time now. But dad is a bit distracted with this upcoming conference and some exciting news involving hypertime. You see, an old colleague of his, a student, in fact, named Earl Doppler, may have created a piece of technology which allows the user's molecules to speed up to the point where the world appears in standstill. And what does Zach have to say about this? Cool. Cool. I mean, it is fucking cool. <laughs> it's so, like, the idea of this is fucking cool. Yeah, it's very cool, but he doesn't give a shit. He's just thinking about that car. And all the sweet ladies he's going to reel in once he has it. Speaking of which, uh, like, his father has to come down and co-sign for this car. And his father's making him do, like, due diligence. Like, well, give me the Kelly Blue Book rating and, the, you know, the safety features and this kind of shit. Like, and Zach goes off on him. He, he Because what do you think about this dynamic between the father and the son? We might as well get into it because, like... This movie tries to make it seem like it's such a big fucking deal. I just don't fucking get it. Yeah, it's a classic example of a late 90s, early 2000s dad who's just too busy with his work. He can't pay attention to his uh, kid. However, it seems like in many of these movies cases as well, Zach's just kind of a chode, kind of an asshole. Yeah, he's definitely a chode. First of all, he spells his name Z-A-C or Z-A-K. Fucking asshole. Um... And then say, and like he wants to buy this red muscle car to pick up chicks, dude. <laughs> like, and yeah, we need it this weekend because it's not going to be there by Monday, Dad. Yeah, he's a classic chode. And when his, Zach's dad is explaining what hypertime is, the first application his dad can think of for this tech is medical. He's like, this will revolutionize the medical industry by being able to perform surgeries within the beat of a heart. If you think for a second the first thing the government is doing with this technology isn't for war-related purposes, you're dumb. Because it would immediately be used for killing and stealing and for gross pervs doing creepy shit. Oh, 100%. I, I mean, I do appreciate that sort of optimism, I guess, from a scientific mind. Because that is... I mean, you think about if we did have that technology, what we could do in the medical field. Incredible. Brandon, we could have developed a vaccine for COVID-19 the next day. Like, we, it <laughs> yeah. would just be done. Yep. We'd be done with this. We'd all be fucking fine. But but you are right. Like, nefarious reasons will absolutely be used. Anyway, so he plans to talk about the car tonight when he gets home from work. So then we're introduced to Zach's best friend, Meeker, played by, I hope I get this right, Garakai Mutumbarwaya. I didn't. No, I, I <laughs> who works at a sporting goods store. A paintball store, <laughs> specifically, right? 
And apparently it's a full-time job just teaching customers about paintball. I don't know. Because it's also got a rock wall. Oh, does it? I have no fucking idea, dude. This character sucks, man. <laughs> like, I feel so bad for this character. This is the worst yeah. character. Like, it's it's every best friend trope just, like, roped into, like, whatever they could fit in, you know? Yeah, he's super impressed, though, that Zach could pony up the cash for the down payment on his car by selling junk to people on eBay while he's making five fucking bucks an hour here. Uh, Meeker, though, won't be there forever because there's a DJ contest tomorrow that he plans to win. Also, it's a dance party. Zach, do you remember in movies and TV shows during this time when DJ was a profession? Uh, just this movie in 8 Mile. Oh, wait, no, wait. There was that other Zach movie, in fact, uh, in which he wanted to be a DJ. We Are Your Friends from a few years back? Zach Efron, I think? Don't remember. Gross. Yeah, why would I move on because your name did act dude. yeah i get it i do like zach efron actually i think he's a good guy I've um, on him. but yeah but yeah this is absolutely fucking absurd like fuck this whole idea of like i just want to be a dj like, <laughs> i just want to scratch records brah and zach here says oh that's very funk fliggity of you that's a line in here that's very flunk fliggity of you oh look how cute phoebe just crawled up on the bed hey phoebe I'm watching Zach. We're not doing this together on a bed with Phoebe. Yeah. Uh, we could be. <laughs> She's just trying to eat a cord. So nope, stop. they immediately ogle the new town hottie, Francesca, from Venezuela. Oh, yeah. That's pretty gross. Very gross. And like an asshole, Zach goes outside to the rock climbing wall and asks Francesca, who's now on the, at the top of the wall, if she has the time the fuck are you talking about guy i'm climbing oh like a watch you got the time what are you talking about and why would you why would that be the first thing anyway that's so dumb but yeah he makes an asshole out of himself. yeah there's also like six other people like standing around him. like if i were her i wouldn't have answered him. <laughs> yeah and he's like climbing up the rock wall to like get a little closer to her without a harness or anything this guy <sighs> so he heads home to some smash mouth holiday in my head if you remember that one <laughs> his mom is getting dinner ready. This is Julia Sweeney, Thanks. last seen on the show in Stuart Little as the uh, orphanage lady. His sister, so Zach's sister and his dad finally get home. Zach really wants to get this, this Mustang tonight, <laughs> but he hasn't compared the data. He hasn't checked out the consumer reports on the other vehicles yet. But dad, it's the car I want. You always have time for your students, but never enough time for your kids. <sighs> why is it, this is why this whole dynamic feels so forced because they have these blowouts like, two or three times in this movie where they go after each other for this, the whole thing. And it feels so forced. It's never organic that this just like comes up that like you weren't there. Like maybe like if they had a shot of him waiting at the dealership and his father just doesn't come, that would be fine. You know what I mean? But like it's it literally this blowout. It comes from fucking nowhere. And by the way, I make the argument that he's just being a good yeah. dad and like trying to make sure that he's, you know, just doing his due diligence. Although at the same time, you know, guy fucking raised money for a goddamn convertible off of eBay. Let him buy it. Yeah, but that's the other thing. He has to co-sign for this. You would imagine that he's going to have to get some sort of loan to finish paying it off, which means his dad's name on the line. So I completely oh, understand. Yeah, that's yeah, true. I completely understand him wanting to. Yeah, get that's true. I didn't even the blue book value and all that shit. I didn't even think that through. You're 100% right. Yeah, Zach's a chode. Uh, so later that night, Dad starts working on the same watch we saw earlier, supposedly following Doppler's research and instructions. He sent this watch to Zach's dad. Zach, meanwhile, is too busy trying to shred on the guitar to talk to his dad because his mom wants them to both, you know, reconcile. Have fun with your science friends because his dad offers to take him to the conference with him. <laughs> yeah, have, some, have fun with your science Aww, friends. Aw, she's sleeping right on his leg. Look at this. Dude, I did get a big laugh out of this pan to the framed photo on the wall that looks like it was taken yesterday with these actors playing with a rocket. Clearly, it's meant to look like it was taken years ago, but they look exactly the fucking same. And he's supposed to be playing like a 10 year old or 15 year old. It's so funny. I cannot believe they didn't like take a picture of these <laughs> actors in the same fucking clothing. It's that lazy. It looks terrible. If hire one fucking child actor or like a model, it doesn't matter. <laughs> Have, take a picture with this guy's son. Like, do anything. Uh, meanwhile, we learned that NASA has funded the Quantum Tech Corporation's hypertime technology, but they plan to shut the project down because it's just too risky. However, QT's CEO Henry Gates, played by Michael Bean, not happy about this. He and his two henchmen, Richard and Jay, get to headquarters where Doppler is being imprisoned. 
And we learned that he's in this sort of chamber, which this hyper time tech is being used on him so that he can finish his work quickly, but it's killing him. This is kind of tough to tell. They, this is their big thing with this whole theory, like the whole driving force is that they're trying to figure out how you can stay in hyper time without aging, because apparently you end up aging really quickly while you're in hyper time, which doesn't make any fucking sense to me at all but whatever and you only have seen french stewart like once in this so like you can't tell that he looks any older than he did in this first scene 20 minutes ago that we don't remember yeah we're never we i think we see a picture of him later on because everyone's confused as to why doppler looks 20 years older than he did the last time they saw him or whatever uh, but we, as the audience, haven't have no frame of reference, so it just looks like Fred Stewart. So you know, it's kind of lost on us. Yeah. But he shuts off the hyper time so that he can finally talk, and we find out that he's been in there just a week. But in that week, it's been twenty years. It's a real Inception time fucking paradox. Wouldn't it be crazy if this is what Tenet's really about? <laughs> That'd be fun. <laughs> be um, Clock Stoppers too, dude. It's a sequel to the Clock Stoppers. If it ends up being Clock Stoppers, <laughs> fuck yeah. By the way, uh, I just I need to clear the air here. As a kid watching this movie, no fucking idea what's going on. Not a goddamn. <laughs> I was just waiting. I was just waiting for this fucking show to get a fucking magic clock, and it was taking forever. <laughs> it takes so long to get there, man. So yeah, he's going to be trapped there until he can fix the aging glitch in the watch. Gates threatens to kill Doppler if he doesn't fix it in 48 hours, and he's especially pissed when he finds out he sent a watch to his college professor, Dr. Gibbs. So now they gotta, you know, get the watch back from the fucking doctor. So the next day, Zack stumbles across the watch. Oh, I was just gonna say, why would you admit this? Like, why would you tell them that you sent a goddamn watch? Like, fucking asshole, honestly. <laughs> yeah, sells out his old college professor, dick. But the next day, Zack stumbles across the watch, which got knocked into some junk, he slaps it on, and uh, Zach and Meeker run into some Sum 41 reject-looking bullies. These guys, this is DJ competition. I fucking oh. love these guys because they're the worst. <laughs> Dude, I, I crapped my pants when I saw these guys. I couldn't <laughs> believe what I was goddamn looking at. This was, this is my dream. Like, this is, this is... I, I wish this movie wasn't taking itself so seriously because these guys are fucking perfect one guy's got like the spiked bleach blonde hair they're the least physically intimidating kind of bullies he's uh, like four foot eleven they shower meeker at one point in mountain dew yep shower him with mountain <laughs> yeah. dew my favorite is they start harassing uh, uh the chick whose name i can't remember i'm sorry oh francesca um, yeah in a very yeah, francesca thank accent. you yeah, they start harassing Francesca, and of course she blows him off. But my favorite fucking thing, and I swear to God, I could have stopped the movie and like given this movie 100% after this. My favorite thing is Zach comes up, and he's like, you know, he's giving it back to them, and he's like, whoops, you fucked that up. Make a hole. And one of the bullies stops him and goes, I'll give you a hole. <laughs> what? That's pretty fucking extreme, what? dude. <laughs> dude, oh my god, can you imagine a bully saying this to you? Oh my god. It immediately you immediately flip the table. If if you're a nerd and a bully says, "I'll give you a hole." You like you have to bash him. Like that guy's the nerd. <laughs> oh, the tables turn at that point, right? Yeah, that's the worst fucking comeback uh. I've ever heard. What a, I love this movie. But Zach, meanwhile, does absolutely fucking nothing while his best friend gets, you know, Mountain Dew thrown on his face. And then the girl he has a crush on is then, you know, berated. So he just kind of follows them and then is thrown into some trash cans, basically. Uh, and Francesca takes a little pity on him, decides to give Zach a second chance and her address. And they head there after school to a little third eye blind. Their first date is a little strange. She needs to rake up some leaves and he just sort of helps. Yeah, she's doing yard work. <laughs> yeah. Isn't she a member of royalty or something? Or her, her father is a member of parliament? Yeah, her, her father is like a very high level of government official. I don't think she's actually royalty. I think Zach's just a chode. <laughs> but I think, but her father does have like some, like he's an ambassador or something like that, or he's part of the embassy. The way she explains it to me kind of made sense where she was like, well, you know, like they're forced to talk and get to know each other because all they can do is rake leaves. I was like, 
pretty smart on her part. Yeah, meanwhile, he's an asshole, and he gets on, like, the riding lawnmower and just starts blowing leaves all around. <laughs> She's doing all the work. Fucking Zach. Zach's a fucking chode. No way he fucking picks up Francesca. She dumps his ass, right? Nah, nah, dude, nah. Impervious to his fucking chodeness. Anyhow, she goes in to make cappuccinos for them, and he starts fiddling with his watch outside. And unbeknownst to him, he's now working in fast motion. He accidentally set off the hypertime. The little girl on the swing freezes in midair behind him, and somehow he cleans the entire yard without noticing that or anything else, like fucking bugs are frozen in the air, not moving, and I don't know how he goes 30 minutes in hypertime without noticing. Yeah, why his cappuccino is has taken thirty minutes. <laughs> like at that like honestly, after like ten, I'm like, Oh, she played me. Now I'm just doing her chores. <laughs> exactly. But the only the only thing that kind of sets him off that something's amiss is there's a possum who's been fucking with the trash. It's sitting on top of the trash can lids or whatever, and he brings it inside because it's just, you know, he thinks, I guess, that it's playing dead, which is the only reason this is probably a possum because those animals tend to do that because if it's a dog or a cat, you're like, what the fuck is wrong with this thing? It's dead. But he winds up bringing this gross rodent inside, and then all of a sudden time suddenly resumes as normal, and now he looks like a fucking idiot bringing a possum in the house. She is actually like touching him at one point because the first time he freezes it again it's like she's spraying water at him and the fucking water droplets have frozen in time and he finally understands what's happening but then she actually touches his arm at one point and then is also transported into hypertime with him how bad does this movie want to be the matrix by the way with some of these like frozen shots <laughs> yes whenever they convey we're now in hypertime it's just spinning around the actor a few times it does not look good <laughs> no I No, nothing really about this movie looks that good. This is kind of what we were anticipating as kids and wanting. And then once you're in it, the moments in which they do this stuff are the really only brief, I guess, moments of uh, entertainment I get from this movie. Because they are at least visually interesting. They do some fun stuff. Yeah. Again, but it's also slight because this is a kid's movie or a, a preteen movie. I don't know what, what demographic they're trying to hit here. But it's just so cutesy and like wasted opportunity. Yeah, exactly. And I, there are moments in this movie where I feel like this this wants to be an R-rated film. This movie wants to be a lot of things. It wants to be a spy thriller, and it does not come off as that. It wants to be an R-rated movie, but it's financed by Nickelodeon. It wants to be, you know, cinematically like The Matrix with like, oh, check out these fucking cool shots and these freeze frames and all these special effects that we're doing with frozen time or like super slow time. But it's just, you know, it, it is what it is. It's a low-budget Nickelodeon film. Like, fuck it. It's not going to be any of these things. We get a little Blink-182 again. First date on the nose music, but whatever. Um, At least we have it. (laughs) Terrible. (laughs) But it's basically these two going around defacing an entire town square because they, you know, fuck with the guy who bought the car he wanted. There's a graffiti artist. There's a pissing dog and a meter maid. Some kid who's trying to steal Meeker's bike. They attach to the bike using his nose ring because, again, they just freeze everybody and then... I guess the conceit is that if you move, you can move their body without them noticing. And it's so fast that by the time that, you know, time is unfrozen, that they're just in a new position or wherever you place them. I guess maybe are they also like weightless, too, because it seems like they're able to do insane things with these bodies. I don't think they are because of this DJ and like this whole DJ scene that's coming up challenges fucking everything that you just said, because like it really... It, the sci-fi in this movie is very inconsistent. Like, they constantly break their own rules. It's fucking weird. Uh, yeah, it is. And, and yeah, they unfreeze and everyone's just in stupid positions. Well, we really are at the DJ party because it's that night. The dance party. DJ competition. Meeker versus the bully from earlier. Man, I have to say, for every ounce of shit we could possibly give the generation under us, <laughs> this shit is just as bad as TikTok, man. Oh, it is yeah, cringe man. inducing watching these assholes scratch records and react as though they're fucking super nervous because that guy's that guy's record scratch abilities on display is ridiculous. See, but I don't I don't know if these are like old white movie executives thinking they understand what the youth is doing and it's not what they're doing or if this genuinely was like what we thought was cool back in the 90s i don't remember ever thinking this was cool same but like i there must have been there must have been some people like this scene had to have tested well with somebody (laughs) 
Ugh, not with me, man. I did not like this, and it just gets dumber from here because, no. not to mention, Meeker, who has been really pumping himself up as to being this great DJ, is horrendous. It's as if he's never DJed before. This made sense to me, I guess, in a structural way when I was younger, but as an adult... I was like, well, he was just talking about how he wants to like quit his job to do this, and he get, like, and I don't think he knows the first fucking thing about it. He just seems really uncomfortable, and this is his first time doing this. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's awkward to watch, and I think the the DJ's name. I kept trying to. I should have put captions on, but that would have involved like interacting with this movie on a higher level. No. So I, I think his name was Ditto, yeah. but I'm not going to look that up. That just made me laugh if it was the other bullies named Ditto. Anyway, because he's losing so much, they decide let's freeze time. So they move Meeker while, again, everyone's frozen so that he can dance really well. This this just makes no sense. This just makes zero sense how they go about doing this because in real time, we're led to believe that these clock stoppers are moving him like a fucking marionette doll so that he's DJ, he's like dancing all around, doing all these sick moves so that in real time it feels fluid and he has rhythm and it, it makes no sense. I don't even, I don't know. They're just invisible because they're moving so fast. It's so fucking stupid, dude. And, and how, if they're moving that fast, is his body slowed down to a point where it would like, it looks normal for everybody who's watching it. And also <laughs> like he comes in and he starts DJing. Like, how does that make any sense with how quickly they're moving? And why are they good at being able to make him <laughs> a good DJ? They probably know even less than this fucking idiot. What is going on? This makes no fucking sense. The crowd, though, is loving this entire thing because then they somehow move from Meeker to the other bully, the other bully DJ and just start backing his ass up. So it looks like he's just twerking, essentially. <laughs> and people are making fun of him for doing that. Oh, my God. They're doing flips. Eventually, Meeker's scratching records on his head. Just to believe this is true, though, they would have to be almost doing this like in their mind, like a stop motion movie. To move him in such a degree that in real time it would make sense for a fluid. I just I it can't. Would take, like honestly, what we're led to believe. The I'm way, bleeding out the ear. What the way we're believed, led to believe that this works. This whole sequence in hyper time should take about a week. Oh sure, and again we're hammered over the head that being in hyper time will age you. Yet these teenagers presumed teenagers aren't getting any older and then we hear later on it's thrown away in dialogue like oh well you weren't in hyper time long enough it's like okay we'll just keep fucking making up any rule then i guess dude yeah how fucking long do you have to be in there and why wouldn't you make that a plot element you fucking idiots <laughs> uh we then just cut to the three of them in the car and meeker's like man hyper time's awesome <laughs> Uh, he's caught up to speed and not phased in the fucking least. He's all in. What are we going to do next? Let's dress Coach Wells like Britney Spears. <laughs> uh, yeah, of course that's what you want to do. Fucking uh. dude, all their like little hijinks. Like this is a, this turns out to be like a fucking action thriller or whatever they want to fucking call it. But all their little comedy hijinks that they're like, oh, check out these kids being kids. These were all in the trailers. Like I'm 95% sure I don't see a single hijink in this movie. That wasn't shown in a trailer. Realizing that Meeker is the third wheel, they drop him off at his house, but not before they pull his pants down as they're driving away. I guess they freeze time and then yank his pants down. Again, imagine the distrust you would feel towards your friend f forever more. You know, I couldn't be around that person knowing that at any time he could pause time and remove my clothing and do things to me without me knowing. Dude. Fuck you, Zach. All I can think about is, like, this woman who's already been harassed today by the way by men like he's he's on a first date with this guy she does not know and he has the power to stop and do things without her knowing yike a fucking rude dude this i mean this is the dark element of this movie that it's just like holy fuck just don't think about it no the hair on my the back of my neck is standing thinking of it, it really Ugh. is it's put it's disgusting like just don't think you can't think about this movie too hard so they go to her house they have a little smooch 
he somehow has his bike, I guess, and he just rides home. Um, but Dude, the fucking bike tricks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I can't even drive home without doing some fucking gnarly bike tricks. That's so un- so obviously not not Jesse Bradford. He just got it. Yo, very clearly, uh, he just got a kiss from a babe, though, dude. He's fucking excited. He's got to do some freaking wheelies and backflips and kickflips and three sixties all day. But when he gets home. He sees that flashlights are inside the window. Turns out the whole QT gang is inside, searching for the watch, and they're currently in hypertime. <sighs> so when he goes inside, you know his his mother and his sister are frozen in time, and then people are you know searching around the house. He also realizes that if you're shot with because they have little nitrogen, what is it, liquid nitrogen canisters that if they shoot you, you then go into real time because it slows your body down or some shit. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, it slows your molecular from yeah it slows it down uh it makes sense no it doesn't it fucking so essentially i mean this is their excuse for not putting real guns in this movie they want to put uzis in this movie but they can't if you die in hyper time you die in real life faster (laughs) (laughs) but that also like there's a whole bunch of things like i know that when you're in hyper time i guess if someone touches you they are in hypertime. They don't have to keep holding on to you. They can let go and, and remain in hypertime. If you had a gun and you shot a gun, a bullet, does the bullet travel in hypertime or is it regular time because it's left you? So, I mean, later on in this movie, they have paintball guns that they use because, again, we can't use real guns in this movie. And those shoot in real time. So, my guess is like anything because I don't know. I guess if you want to get real sciencey, like everything technically has like atoms, you know what I mean. So like, if you're holding a gun, you're speeding up the atoms of that gun too. I guess <laughs> I, dude, I don't want to fucking nitpick this science because they again they just like don't fucking care. They break any rule that they set apart. Zach escapes without getting harmed by QT. Doppler is actually outside and helps him hotwire a van because he's being held captive inside we get a car chase where all the cars are standing still except for our heroes and villains which would probably have been like the easiest car chase to film yeah (laughs) you guys just stand still or go like two a mile an hour and then we'll just add some like fun fucking color and light effects to it yeah you think Uh, that's what happened like this was probably filmed at 20 miles an hour (laughs) i do know that they got a pretty sweet van jump here i gotta be honest i'm gonna add like 10 to 20 points just for this fucking van jump like it's awesome it gets launched off this bridge <laughs> their whole fucking budget i think goes into like some of these action sequences because <laughs> they're like let's just get one cool shot and we'll figure everything else <laughs> it's pretty sweet. how much money do we have after this van shot enough to get french stewart to do fucking sorting roll okay because doppler jumps out last minute zach crashes the van and he gets the watch wet which he's not supposed to do and he wakes up in the hospital with some cops asking questions. He's able to dry it off with a hand dryer, enough for it to work a bit, uh, so we can escape just as the henchmen arrive. Zach then heads to Francesca's house, breaks into her room, again, very seedy, and asks for her help. Yep. He needs to get to his dad, who again, is out of state, I think, at this fucking conference. He needs to explain what's going on. She gives him her car to use, and then last minute decides on joining him, all the set to Time After Time by Uncle Cracker. I don't, I, you know what? I don't have anything nice to say about this, so you go ahead. <laughs> There's nothing to say, sir. Yeah. Doppler gets to the hotel before Zach. Daddy Gibbs finds out that Zach has the watch just as the QT goons arrive, but by the time Zach and Francesca arrive, his hotel room is empty. The next morning, they're scooped up by a dump truck operated by Doppler. He reluctantly agrees to help save the dad, so they head to a science convention to steal parts to fix the watch, and they use Francesca as a distraction because she's hot and all these guys are fucking nerds in need of bashing. (laughs) And they create guns, right? (laughs) Which can take someone out of hyper time and back into normal time with the paintball guns from the store. Meeker's in on the gang. He's in on the action for a solid two minutes and then is just completely left out of the rest of this movie. Dude, I feel so fucking bad for this character, man. Like, he's just (laughs) the short end of the goddamn straw every fucking second. They fill these paintballs with frozen nitrogen in the low temperature. Freezes a person back to normal time. They storm the compound. Meeker wasn't invited. This makes no sense to me. So they arrive, right? It's it's Doppler, Francesca, and Zach. And as soon as they arrive, they put they put themselves into hyper time. And then Doppler goes, 
I can't go back in there. I got to leave. <laughs> and so he's still in hypertime. One, why, why didn't he do this beforehand so that he doesn't eat his whole his whole thing that he wanted to do in this movie? He's like, I got to get out of hypertime because it's killing me. I'm aging too fast. And then as soon as he's there, he's like, put me in hypertime. Now I want to leave. <laughs> I mean, it's clearly this way so that they can bring him back in at the end. Yeah, I mean, it's his fucking redemption that they're setting up. But like, it just this whole thing befuddled me because I was doing that whole like. <laughs> that whole like puzzle scenario where it's like okay you got to take the hen the chicken feed and the chicken or the fox over the river but you can only carry one because like that <laughs> like there's this whole thing where it's like well if they brought him out of hyper time now then they'd have to go back into hyper time so they could pass through the fan but if he would just went over the fan no that doesn't make sense either like it's so fucking so he just leaves in hyper time <laughs> and like at one point they leave hyper time so th- he's he could be like just out of hyper time or stuck in hyper time for like days until they're caught up. You know what I mean? That would have been awesome if like, yeah, they press their button and he comes out like a fucking 80 year old man. Well, cause there's <laughs> like, <laughs> there's like a solid 20 minutes in between like when he leaves until the next time that they go into hyper time. So like 20 minutes in hyper time, we're so, again, we're led to believe this is like a super long time. Like he could probably be just be chilling in there for weeks and then he comes in at the last minute. It doesn't make any fucking sense. <laughs> yeah, it's like uh, Ken Watanabe in uh, Inception. Yeah, an old man filled with regret. Yeah, <sighs> I'm filled with regret. Zach finds a fucking bike, <laughs> even in this goddamn. Uh, I don't know what facility they're in, but somehow he lands a BMX bike, and we all know how badass he is on that. So we get a quick little x games of him chasing around and you know i love to ride my bike when i was like at the age i would have seen this movie rode my bike everywhere but like i this wasn't the 90s you know what i mean we were just using them to get him around man we weren't fucking showing off on him (laughs) yeah and i mean this character zach is not integral to the plot any longer from the villain's perspective so how cool would it have been had he just got on the bike started driving and one of these henchmen just puts a fucking bullet right in his head because he means nothing let's just shoot him dead he does not need to be alive right now just immediately (laughs) yeah it literally does not matter at this point there's this other part where he takes an elevator down to find his dad he's brought back to real time by michael bean when the doors open and then michael bean can finally you know steal the watch so he's taken to see his father locked inside the chamber with him and francesca (laughs) okay sure and they have another stupid father-son argument uh, at the worst comes out of nowhere too yeah because he like his dad like he I forgot what even stems from it, but it literally just turns into like, well, I bet you wouldn't say that if I was one of your students. Like, how is this the time and the place, you fucking asshole? I hate Zach. He's a fucking chode. The NASA head guy, meanwhile, is refused entrance because we failed to say that when when the NASA guy said earlier that they were going to shut down everything, that they had, you know, like 48 hours or something to give them all of their research and all of their tech and whatnot so they're coming to collect but they're refused entrance so and by the way the, the lead guy isn't he the doctor on scrubs is that where i recognized him yeah he's like the head of physicians at Scrubs. Uh, yeah i don't know i didn't <laughs> yeah. really watch that much scrubs but yeah i do recognize him from that but michael bean decides to put everyone in hyper time Earlier, when they were swapping out parts and stuff at that convention thing, he also had an extra spare watch, so we knew this one would come in at some point, but he switched his watch earlier with a junk one, so he actually still has the fucking watch. And now, because they're already in hypertime, he puts himself into hypertime within hypertime, a dream within a dream, dude. And now he's just fucking light. He's just light, a beam of light. He goes through everything. Like, you can't touch him, you can't hold him. He's fucking... Again, like, it's kind of like the end of the Matrix. (laughs) (laughs) Very similar, yeah. He's moving so fast, he could just phase right through shit. Although, again, I just, I can't fucking wrap my head around it. Because they come up with a plot where he's going to fucking, I don't know, distract him. Or, like, while he, like, phases through the door or something like that. But he, even though it's been established, like, you can't touch him. He can't touch anything. He only goes through shit. He grabs a dude's head and slams it against a wall. <laughs> yeah. Dude. How did he do that? I thought he can't touch anything. 
What the fuck is going on? I'm sure if there was a bike, he'd be able to shred it right now, even though he's technically and then he, composed of pure light. And then he starts <laughs> fucking climbing walls. How can he do that? It's, this looks so stupid, too, by the way, with him fucking bebopping away his, his way around this room. It, it looks uh, it looks awful. So silly. It looks so fucking dumb. <laughs> so Francesca and the dad wind up like hiding within a tomb that's inside the chamber or something. He's able to blow the chamber up and some of the lab. But uh, Gates is still alive. He shoots Francesca into real time. And just as he's about to do that to, you know, Zach and his dad, Doppler arrives and defeats him. And then we get our, you know, Gates and his henchmen are arrested and the watches are confiscated. Family reunited. Dad is now uh, aged up a bit. It's like he's aged a few years, I guess, within working in this hyper time. Don't know why his son didn't, but whatever. It doesn't matter. Doesn't look any any different to me. <laughs> no, not really. He's just like maybe one or two more wrinkles and maybe a little, little extra neck fat. Doppler, who also... Uh you know, was really hoping that that anti-aging device worked, uh, comes back and he's a fucking, he looks younger than Zach now. He He's like 14 now. This is ridiculous, yeah. And creepily hits on the youngest daughter of that family. Oh, bad note to end on, man. Dude, this is fucking wild. Yeah, he pulls up Francesca in tow to meet the mom and the sister. Then Doppler, we find out, had used the machine he was building to reverse the aging effects of Hypertime inadvertently changing him back into a teenager. He's now played by Miko Hughes. Last time we saw him, dude, he was Gage in fucking Pet Cemetery. It's the little boy from Pet no Cemetery. No fucking way. Are you kidding me? And so we're meant to believe that's French Stewart as a teenager, and the sister's like, ooh, hello, gorgeous. Ew. Ew. And he sounds like French Stewart. Yeah, they lip-synced French Stewart over him. <laughs> I don't know how old French Stewart's character is supposed to be in this movie. Obviously older than a college student. But so the implications that, like, this daughter is about to fucking flirt with him, like, yike a goddamn rue. What a terrible fucking low note to end this movie on. Because that is, Brandon, essentially the movie they drive off, you know, speeding away in this car. A police officer, and I remember this was a huge deal, this fucking shot. A police officer pulls off, lights blaring, and Zach fucking stops time. He's still got a fucking watch, dude. And, like, we get this last shot of this car driving away and a cop car with the light, you know, the light beam getting behind it. That is the lasting image I have of this movie because I just remember being like, that's it. It's over. Oh, man. But that's Clockstoppers. Wow. Ugh. Your thoughts? It definitely stopped time. <laughs> that was some of the longest 94 minutes I've sat through, dude. Uh, listen. <laughs> yeah. The idea is fun, and the filmmakers do some visually interesting things with this premise every so often. But aside from a couple of the effects and the general competence of the production, it doesn't look bad. It's a, it's a, it's fine. It's just a vanilla, generic waste of time. The lead is a wet blanket. His friend and girlfriend are almost just as bad. <laughs> I don't care about anyone in this movie. While it is nice to see Michael Bean and French Stewart in family-friendly mode, they're giving zero to do. The promise of the premise is wasted on... It's like a Nickelodeon teen fantasy, but it feels like it wants to be MTV Junior, and no one wants that. Yeah. I think this... Again, had you had you given this premise, just the seed of this idea, to a great sci-fi blockbuster director like Nolan or Alex Garland or Denis Villeneuve, uh, this could even be a fucking badass Black Mirror episode. Here, it's just a, like a routine YA romantic comedy, I guess, that does not age well, does not appeal to anyone outside the preteen demographic, and is, frankly, just not worth your nostalgia. Yeah. It is a great capture, like a timepiece of that early 2000s, late 90s. I felt like nostalgia for this time, but not the movie itself. Uh, didn't go back to this movie in 18 years, and I can confidently say I'll never <laughs> have to watch Clockstoppers again. I'll give it a 29%. I'll go even a little bit lower. I'll give it a I'll give it a 25. Yeah. Yeah, a 25. Yeah, man, I think you're spot on. You pretty much said everything <laughs> I was thinking, uh, especially I, the one thing I would highlight from your synopsis is a waste of time, because that's what this movie is. It It is a complete waste of your fucking time. I can't... <laughs> I, I just don't know if I have any good things to say about it. You're right. I think production-wise, like, it's not bad. It's got some, I don't even want to say good action pieces because it really doesn't. Um, there's some cool shots laid in there every once in a while. Like, you know, like, they, they drive a car through, like, a... Sweet van jump. Yeah, sweet <laughs> van jump. They drive another, like, like a Hummer through a fucking... <laughs> 
a bus stop or something like that or like a barrier and then they pause time and it's like okay well that would have been cool like if we had seen this a billion times but we don't um (laughs) but yeah i mean nothing makes sense no one has good chemistry with each other in this movie um none of the dialogue or relationships between the characters make any sense it's a sci-fi movie that breaks the cardinal sin of just fucking ignoring everything that they set out they lay out rules they lay out science and stick to none of it it doesn't make any sense i get that this was for kids and kids aren't really going to ask those kind of questions i know i certainly didn't when i was younger but you know if you're going for young adults or if you're an adult now it just doesn't make any fucking sense it they they break so many fucking rules and it's annoying as shit yeah man it's just boring it's so fucking boring this movie could have been cool it really could have been um it's an interesting concept i would love to see it revisited in some way by a better director but don't fucking waste your time with this movie if you remember it you're right it's it's a great look into what the 90s kind of were i mean we weren't i don't think we were doing underground dj battles but slash raves um we could have been i don't know but it does it does bring you back to a specific time um but that's it i don't have anything good to say about it i'll give it a uh i think a 25 is eh, maybe a little a little bit more than it deserves i'm gonna give it a 22 i think it's pretty bad yeah yeah, if you want a 2002 movie that deals with music battles, Eight Miles the Way to Go. Yeah, and you don't have to fucking... By the do way, it. how does your elbow taste, Zach? Oh, must taste delicious. Phoebe's oh. been licking his elbow here for the past few minutes. Does it taste like soap? Yeah, does it taste like soap? Oh, look, you're awake right when the episode's ending. That's great. Always, dude. I yeah. love that. Yeah, it's, it, it really is a great indicator for when time to wrap it up. Yeah, yeah. she fucking gets it. Well, really quick then, uh, let's go through our recommendations and we'll tell you what we're doing next week and then we'll end this episode. Uh, let's fucking start the clock. <laughs> so I watched uh, Before Sunrise for the first time. I haven't seen any of those movies. The Richard Linklater mm. uh, romance trilogy there. Dude. Super sweet. I really enjoyed it. I got to say, Ethan Hawke was one of those guys that I appreciated his earlier stuff. He was fine. But over the last maybe 10 years, he's one of my favorite fucking actors. And then I've revisited his earlier stuff and just really grown to like it more. Uh, big fan of Ethan Hawke. Nice. Uh, then I also watched The Upside, like the Kevin Hart, Brian Cranston Why'd one. Why'd you do that? From like a year or two ago. You know? Because <laughs> I don't know. I wanted to. I thought it was going to be like an hour and a half. It turned out it was like two hours and two Ew. minutes. Far too long. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Uh, but uh, I can't say it's awful, but it's not good. You're probably going to watch Die Hard, you fucking freak. <laughs> Ew, no, I'm not downloading Quibi for that shit. <laughs> what? And uh, uh, lastly, in the tradition of hate watches, I did finally watch another Adam Sandler movie. I've almost finished them all now. Pixels, 2015. Ew, dude, I've seen Pixels. That that movie's bad. <laughs> That's a bad yeah. movie. It's, it is bad, but... In comparison to his Netflix shit, like, it's sad to say that's honestly not that bad. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, it's that's a sleeper. Oh, bye. She's going to fucking do something naughty, I can tell. All right. <laughs> um, but that was me, man. Cool. I, I've been watching mostly sports because sports started back up again. However, I did watch a new series. Brandon, you're probably not super interested in this. It's actually not a new series. I, I've probably recommended it before. But a new season just dropped. It's always my favorite time of the year when it does. Uh, a new epi- a new season of Last Chance You on Netflix. It is a look into college, community college football, specifically for some kids who have less than ideal circumstances. Uh, first time this show, it's always the show's always taken place in some podunk like population 300 but super community college football programs this one actually takes place in like downtown oakland so a bit of change of pace um and it's fucking just as good as ever it's some real great human drama and emotion uh mixed with some pretty good sports drama and emotion and it's all real it's a documentary so even if you don't like sports i think it's a really good watch and look into what college athletics is like and a really good representation of what it's like to be a student athlete um, at pretty high levels. Sweet. Yeah. I've heard good things. Yeah. it's All right, dude. Uh, Not too many good things to say most likely about next week's selection. Man, we are not bouncing back uh, with a vengeance. Yeah. What are we doing to ourselves? 
I'm gonna fucking hate it. I'm not. I'm not gonna be in a good mood next week. If you think I was mean this week, <laughs> sorry for next. Sorry for next week. Honestly, like it's gonna be bad. Yeah, we're traveling back to 1997 for Jungle to Jungle. Tim Allen. Tim Allen, back on the show. Fuck. Uh, this is currently streaming on Disney Plus. If you want to give it a watch before the episode drops next week. Huh. Bad. It is what it is. <laughs> yeah. But uh, stay tuned for that episode. And for all of our episodes, you can check out our website, nbd.podbean.com. You'll also find us on Spotify, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, rather, uh, Google Play, and, you know, all those other podcasts and the apps and sites. iHeartRadio, give us money. Um, <laughs> shut up. Um, you can also... <laughs> You can all please, please write us a review. Any review helps. It really, really does. Um, also, as always, tell a friend. Tell your friends about this show. Tell us. Tell them how stupid we are. Tell them how funny we are. Tell them how boring we are. Uh, tell them that Brandon can't read. <laughs> tell them that I'm an angry person. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yep. It's time to go. Thank you, Phoebe. Uh, remember, everyone, be good people. Wash those hands. Wear your masks. And uh, try to have the adventure of a lifetime. In a few mere seconds. Let's stop the clock in this episode. (laughs) (laughs) Peace.